Contract Properties is a homegrown, family-owned maintenance company located in Nashville. They provide HVAC, electrical, plumbing, painting, and many other services for commercial and residential properties. From build-outs to junk removal, one call does it all. Whether you're a homeowner or a property manager, give Contract Properties a call today for a free estimate. 615-356-0755. That's 615-356-0755. Or visit ContractProperties.net. The Midday 180. Get them at their new time from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Now it's time for Blaine and Mickey, powered by the Tennessee Lottery on 104.5 The Zone. Blaine and Mickey on 104.5 The Zone on a hump day Wednesday. It's National Signing Day. The reaction that people have to National Signing Day, Blaine, is one of the most fascinating things that happens every year to me on the sports calendar because some people follow this and track recruiting all year round like I have friends who do it they know everybody that their school's going to recruit they know everything about all these guys and other people are like hey man just wake me up when it's football season again next year you know just let me just see how they do when they get there that's great it's a four star and he's six foot three and weighs you know 312 pounds and you know, he mowed over the competition in Central Texas or wherever he's from. Just let me see how he – some people think this is the biggest day of the year for college football. Others doesn't even register on their radar. That's amazing to me. Yeah. Well, where do you stand on that? You want to know what's crazy? And and I have been – like, there are people who cover it to a certain – like a place like Tennessee. You and me can't cover recruiting like Ryan Callahan and no. all these other guys who that's – it. And uh, uh, all the dudes from uh, from rivals, uh, Austin and Brent Hubs and all that, we can't cover recruiting like them. But in a place like Arkansas State, when I was on the radio back in Jonesboro, I had to know it. I had to know it pretty much back and forth. But I'm always here's where I stand on recruiting day. There's two things. Number one, for all the kids who worked all their life and their parents and their high school coaches and their mentors and their you know, people who raised them, father figures, mother figures, whatever it is, I'm just most happy because I think about what an opportunity this is for a bunch of people who worked their whole life to get there. So I wasn't good enough, but you were good enough to play college football. For anybody who signs a scholarship in anything, mostly I'm just happy for them and all the people who helped them get there, you know. And the second thing is, if a kid doesn't go to your school, don't tweet something ugly at them. They're 18 years old. They're trying to make the best decision they can. Don't tweet ugly stuff at an 18-year-old because he or she are going to play sports at a different school. So I'm happy for everybody involved with signing, and I just scratch my head at people who tweet or say ugly things to kids because they don't pick their school. That, that's my two biggest things. Uh, well, I, I don't even address the people who do that because uh, then they, they need to go get a life. I mean, let's just <laughs> let's, let's get honest here. I mean, that's I mean, true. If that's you true. <laughs> if that's <laughs> you doing stuff like that, then you need to kind of check yourself at the door but uh I, I don't i don't pay a lot of attention to it i, I get excited for all the young individuals uh you know uh women uh or, or guys uh when they sign uh that are local that you kind of remember their names or read about them or something like that and you kind of preferably pay attention to the local schools around the state uh who they're signing uh but i'm not i'm definitely not digging into it deeply and everything else because 
you know, it's one thing, you know, to sign, uh, which is exciting time for the, their whole families and themselves. But, you know, now it's, once you get there, you know, sometimes you have a, a eye-opening experience about, okay, do I get to, you know, play? And, you know, a lot of people's expectations, they've always been the best player. Now, all of a sudden, they're one of the best. Yeah. Uh, so then, you you know, the cream of the crop then rises, whatever school that may be at whatever level. So, uh, uh, yeah, I, and I didn't go through all this signing day. For all those kids out there who want to walk on, I was a walk-on. So, uh, you know, it doesn't resonate me about signing, uh, going somewhere. And, you know, it doesn't mean you will or will not be on a roster and how much you contribute. It carries a little bit away because they invested a lot of time in recruiting you. Uh, but uh, and probably more so than when I came out because it wasn't, uh, I guess, the magnitude that it is now. But, uh, yeah, so congratulations to all those. But I, I'm, I'm definitely not uh, following it. Uh, but I get those people who are in the industry. No, no, no question. They're supposed to know yeah. it up and down. Uh, that's what they do. So uh, just like we are supposed to cover the Titans and the balls up and down. I mean, that's yep. what we're supposed to do. So, uh, you know, we'll preferably see who signs with the balls and, and bandy and kind of, you know, go through the process and excited for, for all those people who sign. Yeah. At the time we went on, the balls had 12 uh, guys who had signed. Bandy is at 14. I had somebody at Bandy tell me they're expecting 21 or 22 today. It'll be one of those two numbers is where they think when all the dust clears. Uh, but congrats to uh, especially all the local guys who maybe them or their families listen to this station. Uh, wherever you're signing, goodness gracious, man. Division one, two, three. Yeah. Preferred walk on or five star, dude. Go do your thing. Goodness yeah. gracious! What Enjoy an opportunity. the process. Have Woo. fun too. Yeah. At the same time, yeah, yeah it's yeah. exciting time. That's All cool. right, uh, there's something. The center in Detroit has something I've never heard of. So Matthew Stafford's beat up. He's, he's got rib issues. He got hit in the ribs. This came out right before we went on the air. Their center is Frank Ragnow. He has um, uh, a fractured throat. What is that? I saw that on. I said, "Oh my gosh, that sounds painful!" And he finished the game. Finished like, the game. It's almost like nobody knew. <laughs> Fractured throat. I'm trying to think. Like, did somebody karate chop him, or uh, and then if it 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 is his uh, you know, what's what's the thing that's right there sticks out of your your your, your neck? Adam's apple. Adam's apple. Did, did that get like crushed or chipped or something? I mean, I'm just, you know, I'm, <laughs> I don't know what happened, man. What does that mean? I should have Googled it. Well, you think about it. Like, the only bones in that part of your body are your neck. So everything else is some kind of, it's some kind of soft tissue, right? It's an, it's a muscle or a ligament or, or, so, or you know, know, voice box. How do you fracture that? And I agree with you. And then how did you play with it? Well, Ian Rappaport, JT, who's the producer extraordinaire, sent us this before the show. Uh, Ian Rappaport, while Frank Ragnow is insane for even playing through this, not being allowed to talk is a big thing for a center. Uh, there's a quote, a tweet that he quotes. Okay, some details on Frank Ragnow's fractured throat. The Lions are consulting with a specialist on this right now. His airway and breathing is fine. He can eat, but he's not supposed to talk right now. And you can tell people, I mean, if you ever wondered what goes on in a football game this year with no fans in the stands, you and I were talking about this yesterday. Like, you can hear the quarterback saying, 56 is the mic, 56 is the mic. You can hear people making calls all over the field. Well, one of those people who's making all those calls is the center. It'd be pretty tough to play with a center who couldn't talk, I would imagine. 
Yeah, that that would be tough. Uh, there's a lot of communication that's done, uh, what you're talking about that we get to hear now with uh, a lot of fans not in the stands uh, and a lot, a lot of noise. Uh, so yeah, that's why the quarterback, the center, uh, the middle linebacker, safety, all the people who are at the center of both offense and defense are communicators. Uh, uh, and they trust in those guys to uh, give them the information that they need so they're all on the same page. So I, I think this is huge, uh, almost as big as the questionable Stafford. Yeah. Uh, he's one step behind because he, guess what? Who else handles the ball more than, or just as much as the quarterback? The center. Yeah. Absolutely. So people underrated, but this right up there, let alone snapping, communicating, then go to your blocks and your steps. And it, man, it's a complex position that gets not a lot of fanfare because of, you know, it's the center. So, uh, yeah, I think this is uh, it's going to be kind of interesting because if your center's out and then possibly your quarterback is out, now we have two new positions at vital communication positions. And yep. so I value that, me personally, very high. Uh, you know, if the guy, you know, behind him was so much better, then he probably would be starting, probably. <laughs> no different than Chase Daniels. So uh, it's going to be interesting. Uh, you get out in the fire at this point in the season. Uh, so uh, see how much they have to prove uh, to be on the roster next year or playing somewhere else. So uh, it's exciting for them if they get an opportunity. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think this is uh, favors the Titans. I, that, that, it, it's huge for me. It really yeah. Yeah, I put, here's what I do right right now. I'm going to tell you what I would do. I know it's not part of this defense or the Titans defense, but at some point it will be. Daquan Jones or Big Jeff, I'm putting him right over that center and bull rush him. I mean, like tell him, don't do anything else but bull him and make him run and then make him think about that the next time and then do it again. And then don't stop because Big Jeff and Daquan are pretty powerful Guys, if you look at their bottom trunks, you'd see what I'm talking about. And no guy that's a backup don't want no parts of that. So he can make a mistake on communication, just snap. A lot of things can happen and go wrong. Like, hey, man, help. I need help. This guy is getting on me too quick, too fast, and it's hurting, and I can't block him. I'm messing up the whole scheme of the run game. Yeah, so that's why I'd start off with him. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah, JT, uh, I, JT had his hand raised. JT, you got? Do you have any knowledge about broken throats? Yo, I was just googling because I was kind of you know curious. What is this? And um, it's officially it's it's official term is laryngeal fracture, but it says it's actually potentially life threatening. Okay, don't play they, this week. And they said he can eat and breathe fine. So, but I, I get his potential. I, I thought it was too. I mean, but obviously he's doing fine. That lets me know that. He probably not playing. It says it happens oh. in one in 30,000 patients who are actually per, presented to an ER. So one in 30,000 people who go to the ER have it, but it says it's potentially <laughs> a life-threatening injury and most of the time goes undiagnosed. So, Okay, man. Uh, well, this means that's people who get, get it that doesn't play football. So I'm assuming he got it playing football, right? Is that a yeah. wrong assumption? No, they said he got it and finished the game last week. Yeah, I, I think so. You know, they take their hands up like they're boxers, those D linemen. And offensive linemen. And so when they go punch somebody, you know, that's why some of these guys' fingers is all jacked up. Them things is like, you know, like poles. Like, so when it hits you, it hurts. So somebody chopped, karate chopped him and hit him dead in that thing or bought up their fist and right before the play, bam, 
you know, or during the play accidentally, you know, uh, and then, and he's like, oh my, what was that? And then he kept playing. People have no idea of what some of the players are playing through. Yeah. That, yeah. yeah. I mean, that is imp- remarkable. Oh my gosh. It's life threatening. This guy finished the game. Yeah. Huh? If you've ever fractured your throat, tweet us. Tell us what it was like. If you're one of those 30,000 people who went to the ER, we want to know. At Bishop 23 at Mickey Ryan 1045. We also want to know what's going on with the Lions. So let's go to Detroit. We'll talk to uh, their beat writer for the Atlantic, Chris Burke, who joins us on Blaine and Mickey on 1045. Blaine and Mickey on 104.5 The Zone. Uh, Vols and Texas A&M getting ready to uh, battle this week. Texas A&M still with a a lot at stake. Boy, a lot at stake. Let's talk to our guy. Uh, Well, actually, that's coming up. Billy Lucci, Texas A&M. Let's talk Detroit Lions and and Tennessee Titans. I'm looking at my guest list in reverse. Chris, welcome in, man. Sorry, I got a little ahead of myself on a college football game later this week. What's going on? might be more exciting to talk about Texas A&M if you want to do that. I can, I can see what I can do. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's signing day, man. Yeah, I've got my college football hat on. <laughs> hey, let's get into this, though, first. I saw you detailed this on your Twitter because there are some Lions fans. I have a good friend, Jacob, who lives right here in Middle Tennessee. He is a Lions fan. They are still mathematically eligible for the playoffs. <laughs> uh, yeah. They are. They need. Uh, they need to win all three and get some help. But yeah, it's still possible. It felt a little more possible heading into last week before they played Green Bay. They're coming off a win in Chicago. It made the coaching change. Had a little bit of life. They're pretty beaten up right now. And yeah, I mean, they need. They need a miracle to get there. So um, they're they're out more or less with a loss this week. Let's start with this because we spent part of our first segment. We just came on a few minutes ago discussing a fractured throat uh, that Frank yeah. Ragnow is dealing with. Honestly, that's that's kind of new to us from football injuries. Yeah, uh, I, I actually just tweeted out uh, one of my colleagues, uh, Connor Hughes in New York, had written about uh, Henry Anderson, who was playing with the Colts in 2017, had the same thing happen and played through the game and then the the doctors told him, you know, he kind of got lucky. It could have been a life-threatening injury. So uh, for Ragnow to finish out uh, the game, play three quarters with with a fractured throat, pretty incredible and a little scary. Um, no idea yet on sort of what the prognosis is going to be for recovery, whether he's going to play this week or go need surgery himself or, or whatever. But, yeah, I mean, just uh, a pretty rare one. I mean, I think that was the last example of it was three years ago. Um and so, I, you know, there's not a lot to draw on here in terms of sort of uh, how it happened or how you come back from it. Man, uh, on with uh, Chris Burke at Chris Burke NFL covers the Detroit Lions for the Athletic. Well, Chris, uh, we got to start first and foremost is how can the Detroit Lions get out of this stink and funk that they've been in over the last decade or whatever uh, and it uh, just seems like they just can ever get over the hump. They have a quarterback, at least as of now, he's injured. Uh, we don't know if he'll play or not, but what is the crux of their issue there just with the organization in itself? Yeah, I think they took a big step, uh, hopefully for them, yesterday. They brought in Chris Spielman um, as a special advisor to their team president, their owner. So 
he's going to really help spearhead now their coach and GM searches, which I think is big. They really didn't have anyone above uh, the GM level in that ownership range who had a football background. So obviously Chris Thielman has a, a long-standing football background, and and a, a big he's a big draw in Detroit um, from his playing days. So that'll help, I think, immensely. But yeah, I mean, there definitely was a disconnect between. Um, the previous regime, at least, the GM and the coach and sort of the team's history and, and what they were looking for from the ownership level. So that didn't help. They were in okay shape before that with Jim Caldwell, made a couple playoff appearances. But, I, I mean, I think of Matthew Stafford, as you mentioned, that's a big decision for them moving forward, whether he's going to continue to be their guy. Uh, and then they just need to figure out. They don't really have, and this is what Spielman talked about yesterday, um, they don't really have an identity right now. I mean, I think Matthew Stafford could be that. You just sort of air it out and turn him loose, but they've refused to do that for a long time now, and uh, defensively they're a disaster. So they really need to figure out what they want this to be moving forward, first and foremost. Well, with uh, Chris Burke of The Athletic covering uh, the Detroit Lions, uh, why did Matt Patricia not have a, you know more success? So what was his, his main issues on why he couldn't get him to – I guess, over the hump? Uh, I mean, I don't think it's any secret that they really tried to replicate what the Patriots had done uh, in New England, uh, not just from a personnel standpoint, uh, which didn't work. I mean, the defense is worse now than it, it has been in a very long time, but just in terms of the way that they operate. And uh, it was a 180 from where they'd been with Jim Caldwell in the locker room, the type of coach that he was. Uh, certainly a lot of guys uh, didn't really get on board with it. It took them a year or two to, to get the locker room the way that they wanted it to from a personality standpoint. And so it never really meshed in that regard. And then, you know, on the field, um, you know, the offense, I think, started clicking a little bit once they hired Daryl Bevel ahead of the 2019 season. But, you know, defensively, that was really supposed to be Matt Patricia's bread and butter. And they never found the pieces they needed. They never found uh, any continuity with sort of their scheme from game to game. And, you know, it just kept showing up. They couldn't finish games. They couldn't stop the most explosive offenses. And, um, you know, even with Matthew Stafford and, and some playmakers on offense, they just could not keep up. So uh, it was on the field and off the field. You know, there are a lot of problems I think you could point to. With that being said, though, Chris, uh, they, they still have an outside shot to make the playoffs. Do the, do the players believe that? I, I mean, I think <laughs> I think you believe it until it's not there anymore. Uh, I mean, they've certainly been playing hard the last two weeks uh, after Daryl Bevel's come on as interim head coach. You know, they had to come back in Chicago. They hung in there with Green Bay last week, which that's a really good Green Bay team. So, um, and I think even dating back to last year, you know, you give Matt Patricia a little credit for this. They were way out of it last year. They won three games. Stafford was hurt the second half of the year. They played really hard in November and December. They uh, – hung with some teams that wound up making the playoffs. So I think the, you know, the Titans are going to get their best shot on Sunday. They're just, you know, they're not a very good team to begin with, and they're pretty beaten up. So I don't know that there's enough there for them to pull off an upset. But, I, you know, they're not – I don't think they're going to show up and roll over. By any means, yes. We're on with Chris Burke, uh, who covers the uh, Lions for the Athletic. Chris, what is what is the latest on, on Matthew Stafford? I know the Lions signed Jordan Ta'amu, who – us folks down south certainly followed his college career to the practice squad. They make a depth move. Uh, what is the latest on Stafford? Uh, didn't practice today. It doesn't sound like he's going to practice at all this week, and then they're just going to figure it out, you know, Saturday, Sunday, maybe even up till when they need to put up an active 90 minutes before the game, whether or not he'll play. 
Um, I can tell you Sunday watching him, you know, he came out of that game. They went to the locker room and did whatever, you know, wrapped him up, gave him a shot, whatever they did. And he came back out and I was watching him on the sidelines. He couldn't physically, you know, complete the motion of throwing the football. Uh, so that's a pretty, uh, that's a pretty long way from that to where he needs to be to play on Sunday. He was in a ton of pain. Uh, it was on his left side. So it's everything with his, you know, his follow through and, and the motion of throwing the ball and everything. So, uh, I don't know. I mean, I think that they're hoping he can play. I'm sure he wants to play again, especially because they are, do has, still have this outside shot at the playoffs. Um, and he's a tough guy, competitor, but, um, you know, I think at this point you couldn't put it above a 50 50 shot that he'll play. And Chase Daniel's going to take all the snaps, uh, as a first team guy probably through the week. So. We've got a, a quarterback with busted ribs, a center with a broken throat. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what else is what else is going on injury-wise with these guys? I'm almost afraid to ask. Yeah, <laughs> they're pretty beaten up. I mean, Kenny Galladay, uh, who's their top receiver, has been on the shelf for – it's been 45 days now since he got hurt. They haven't put him, on, put him on injured reserve at any point in there. They keep saying he's making progress, but he hasn't practiced in three weeks, so I assume he will probably be out again. Uh, their top two cornerbacks at the end of the season, Desmond Trufant and Jeff Okuda, both on IR. Uh, Danny Shelton, who was kind of at the heart of their defensive line uh, up front, and Trey Flowers, who was playing off the edge, both hurt. The offensive line, you know, they sort of plug and play on the right side. So they're they're really in a rough spot in a lot of spaces here. And again, it wasn't a great roster to begin with. So they're just sort of duct taping this thing together and hoping they can uh, <laughs> find some way to hang in these games, but there's not a lot to fall back on right now. Uh, Chris Burke on with us covers the lines. Uh, let's talk about something good. Uh, TJ Hawkinson is such a highly touted guy. The draft was in Nashville when he was drafted. We actually got to talk to him and interview him. We really liked the kid, and Titans fans were enamored with him. He seems to be exactly as he was advertised and worthy of uh, the draft pick level. Yeah, he's been really good, and I, it was there was some wariness in Detroit for sure because you took they took him as a top ten pick and it was pretty reminiscent of when they took Eric Ebron a few years ago and that one didn't pan out. But I think uh, you know this year he's really proven that uh, he's going to be a very good tight end in this league for a long time. He's already really good. He's creeping up on sixty catches and seven hundred yards. Um, and so I think that the progress from year one to year two has been there. He's been better as a blocker. Really, they, I mean, they expect him to be like in that George Kittle-type conversation moving forward. They think he can be an all-pro, Pro Bowl guy on a yearly basis. And uh, right now, with Galladay on the shelf, it's it's pretty much been um, him and Marvin Jones in the passing game. So he's going to get a lot of looks on Sunday, whether it's Stafford or Chase Daniel back there. Chris Burke is on with us. He covers the Lions for the Athletic in Detroit. Yeah, Chris, I guess uh, talking about Chris Spielman now, uh, you know, part of the, you know, helping the ownership group uh, make a decision. Who's in the running right now for head coach and GM? Uh, I think, you know, they're they're still sort of in the early stages of figuring all that out. It, it sounds like Lewis Riddick um, is going to be in for an interview for the GM job on Friday. Uh, Rick Smith who was the Texans' former GM, certainly is a guy that they're interested in. They did some internal hires. I think they're trying to figure out right now how much time they want to spend on this GM search, whether they want to go get someone 
like Riddick or, or Smith or, or someone who's, uh, you know, another former GM who's out of a job right now or wait until January and then try to pluck someone from one of the successful organizations. Um, the head coaching search, I mean, I think Robert Salas, a guy, the San Francisco defensive coordinator, makes a lot of sense for them. If they want to stay, you know, they'd be going back-to-back with defensive coordinators turned head coaches, so I'm not sure they would want to do that, but he's a guy from Michigan. He certainly knows that franchise and that fan base well. Um, I think that's one of the, again, that's sort of what they're figuring out now. How close to what they had with Matt Patricia do they want to go? Do they just need to, again, spin way away from it and go something totally different? So uh, I think it's a pretty wide net they're going to cast for both jobs. And we're on with Chris Burke, who covers uh, the Lions for the Athletic. And I have to ask you, man, Adrian Peterson is still playing running back at the National Football League. I know you guys have a couple other backs, but uh, how does he look compared to those uh, young puppies out there? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's certainly impressive to see him still going uh, at 30, you know, 35 now and, and however many seasons it's been, and he's over 500 yards for the year. He's been starting for them pretty much the whole year. He hasn't seen uh, a ton of carries as as many carries as late because I think they're really trying to get DeAndre Swift involved when he's healthy. And that was another guy who just came back on Sunday. He'd been banged up for a couple of weeks, but um, they're way more dynamic right now offensively when DeAndre Swift's in there, he's more dangerous as a, as a receiving threat, but Peterson's still, you know, kind of there behind between the tackles, goal line, short yardage guy, as much as uh, they can use him. So, yeah, I mean, it's impressive to see him still going. He definitely doesn't have, I mean, it's not the 2,000-yard Adrian Peterson from a decade ago, but for uh, this stage of his career, he still runs hard. Um, they love him in the locker room. He's been great for those young backs. So uh, I think they're happy with that signing, even if it hasn't produced, you know, a 1,000-yard season or anything like that. I guess last for me, Chris, is uh, how has the COVID affected uh, the Lions, uh, I guess, throughout this season so far? Has it been any huge outbreaks or just kind of sporadic uh, along the team? Uh, it's been pretty sporadic, although they've had a couple scares with Stafford. He was on the COVID list um, during training camp uh, because of a false positive, and then he was on there again in November, which was one of the, the close contact flags and wasn't a positive test. So he came back and played later that week, but that's been their biggest setback is just dealing with him both times. Everson Griffin's on there right now, who they traded for right before the trade deadline and had a cup, two and a half sacks. It's been a really effective pass rusher for them. Um, and he missed last week, probably will miss this week too. So, you know, that that's a hit because again, they're, they're just so thin everywhere right now. And, and he was giving them uh a decent amount of snaps and, and some pressure up front. So that's uh, a break for the team is facing them. They don't have to deal with them. So, but otherwise, yeah, they haven't had the huge problems yet. You kind of knock on wood and hope they can get through the rest of the year, but it's the, the little bits and pieces that it's come up. It's been uh, kind of troublesome for them just because of the, the guys that have been affected. Well, with Chris Burke, who covers the lines for the athletic Chris, um, Danny Amendola has been such a, an interesting player to me, undrafted, uh, and is now, I guess, what, fourth all-time among undrafted receivers and just continues to find a place in this league currently with the Lions. Um, I, I saw that either you or one of your counterparts had written that his hero was Wayne Krebet, and he passed him on the catch list. 
Yeah, uh, just this week, he uh, he's like number, I think he's 92nd all-time in catches, but he's just moved into fourth for undrafted players, and it was Corbett who was uh, there. So, yeah, I mean, it's been uh, it's another guy who's really put together a long, impressive career, and I think he would tell you, you know, he's done it despite not being the you know most uh, athletic guy, certainly not the biggest guy, and I think you see even now kind of as he's winding down in his career, he doesn't. Uh, explode off the ball or anything. He's not getting a ton of yards after the catch, but he's still been a productive piece in this offense. Stafford certainly trusts him. He knows how to get open out of the slot. and So they're still using him. I mean, they threw to him six times on uh, Sunday. He caught all six passes and kind of moved the chains. So uh, still going. Another guy that they, you know, Bob Quinn, Matt Patricia brought in because um, of the locker room presence, because he'd been in that Patriot system. He knew what they were looking for. Uh, but certainly he's been valuable for them. I don't know. You know, this is probably the last three games he's going to play in Detroit. Assuming they don't make the playoffs, this is probably the end of the line for him as a Lion. But, you know, he might still be useful for a, a team that needs sort of a fourth, fifth receiver next year and some veteran leadership. He certainly, uh, certainly still plays as hard as anyone on Sundays. Chris Burke, all right, before we let you go, the biggest source of consternation really for this team has been third-down defense in Nashville. They're over 50% allowing other teams to convert on third down. I was looking at the Lions, though. They're 28th in the high 40s, actually not much better. Sounds like injuries have really contributed a lot to that, but uh, this has been a historic year, it seems like, in the league for teams giving up third downs. Yeah, I mean, the Lions are having trouble even getting offenses to third down, so it's not surprising that they're – they're down at the bottom, and that again, that kind of goes back to there's not much of a pass rush. Their linebackers are really, really bad in coverage, and now they're banged up in the secondary. So you kind of can just pick where you want to attack them and go at it. Um, and you know, you, you would expect the Titans to be able to throw the ball if they want to. They'll probably be able to run quite a bit if they want to as well. So uh, you know, it's Detroit's just trying to hang together. They came up with two or three stops against Green Bay, and that's probably the max that you can expect for them defensively. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think offensively, if Stafford plays, there's still a tough matchup, and you know he's a guy that's going to take some shots and, and kind of push the push the ball downfield when he can. So, um, you know, if the Titans are struggling in that area, that's certainly one that he'd be able to take advantage of if he's feeling all right. I, you know, I don't know. Chase Daniel certainly doesn't scare you <laughs> quite the same way, but maybe he gets out and runs with his, his legs and makes some things happen. So, uh, but yeah, defensively. The Lions are going to have their hands full, I think, yeah. Well, Chris, thanks for checking in, man. Uh, from Motown, at Chris Burke, NFL, for all the latest on the Lions as they get ready to play the Titans on Sunday at noon here in Nashville. Thanks for the time, man. Happy holidays. Appreciate yeah, it, Chris. Guys. Same to you. Adrian Peterson, Blaine, still starts at running back in this league for the Detroit Lions. Uh, That's crazy. It, oh, gosh, yeah. This is a year, I, I think, 15 for him. Uh, 14 or 15 playing running back in the league at as many carries as he's had. Uh, pretty unbelievable. What you don't want is uh, for that guy to get to feeling like the good old days uh, out there and have a throwback type game against the Titans. Uh, we asked, no, no, no. We asked this question earlier because the center for the Lions has essentially a fractured throat. We asked, does anybody know what this is like? Frank is on the line. He had a similar throat injury, he says actually playing football we will go to frank when we come back and you'll hear this firsthand blaine and mickey on 104.5 
Vicky on 1045 the zone. So Frank Ragnar, who's the center for the Lions, has something that uh, seems like a fairly big mystery. I think it's even trending on Twitter right now. Fractured throat. So we just kind of ask, hey, man, one it, it, JT found some information, uh, got a, a, a message. Uh, Chuck says, here are the stats for laryngeal fracture. A laryngeal fracture is a rare condition occurring in approximately one for 130 7,000 inpatient visits, one patient per 14,000 to 42,000 emergency room visits, and less than 1% of all blood traumas. I know that's just a bunch of crazy stuff, but it seems rare when you hear it said like that. So we said, has anybody had something like this? And Roger called in to say, yes, he has suffered a similar injury. Roger, what in the world happened? Take us through it. And, and how did you get better? And how do you fix this? Okay, well, Here's what happened to me. I was, I was playing football. I was a uh, defensive end, and I was running along behind the line trying to catch the, the guy going on a sweep or something. And what? And a player come out of nowhere and just clotheslined me, hit me right in the throat. And I didn't really know how what had happened to me, Harley. But when I got up, all I could do was squeak. When I tried to talk, my voice would just squeak. So uh, I played the next down and then I ran to the sideline it was on a fourth down so I ran to the sideline and ran over to my coach and dad never probably never ever had to deal with that before so they didn't know what to do either and so I told him I got hit in the throat you know of course I couldn't talk very good I was just squeaking so he told me to go lay down on the bench (laughs) so I went and laid on the bench the game was over in just a little bit and I went to my home and uh a friend of ours, the family, said, I think we need to take him to the doctor because it could be something bad happened to him. So when I went to the doctor, they kept me overnight, and they said the reason why they needed me to keep me overnight is because it could, the only way it could be fatal is if uh, my throat swelled and cut off my air, cut off my esophagus. So it was, it was a little painful. For about three days, I couldn't talk. And after the fourth day, I started to get just a little bit of it back. I didn't practice for that next week. And uh, after about four or five days, uh, I, I couldn't really tell it was too bad then. I just went right along. Man. But it didn't, it, well, it, didn't really take a, it didn't take a long time to get over it. It, it. it hurt for a little bit, but it wasn't like extremely painful. But I couldn't eat uh, very much. I could drink milk and drink juice and eat potatoes, something soft like that, anything. Did you play the next week? I couldn't eat bread and pork or nothing like that. No, did you play football the next game? Oh, uh, yeah, I played football the next game. Oh, okay. Wow, okay. Well, Roger, thanks for the perspective. Um, it's going to be real interesting, Blaine, to see what happens with this guy, Frank Ragnow. I mean – because here's the guy who just he said he got clotheslined. Did you ever get clotheslined like that? Surely you did <laughs> at some point. It, 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 but he said he got clotheslined. Guy hits him in the throat again. Roger, appreciate the perspective on this. Said he could do nothing but squeak. <laughs> but he said his voice came back. Uh, and he could, you know, he, he had to eat some soft foods. He said, what, potatoes and milk for a few days. But uh, I don't know how you're going to play in an NFL football game, you know, a week after fracturing your throat. That well, just seems I mean, like well, to Roger's dangerous. point, he played the point. next week. He played the next week, and you know, and then this guy from Detroit Lions finished the game like it happened in the first quarter. And yes, I've been clotheslined, but not like that. It's like they were trying to actually hold me, 
you know, so there was no intent to, you know, clothesline like they're in WWE or something. <laughs> Not trying to like, break Oh, dang, I, I missed my block and let me get him. <laughs> so it wasn't like that, man. Uh, but I, I think I have been in the throat. It was just one of those almost like getting, the, you know, shot in the gut or something. But, uh, yeah, that's, uh, it just sounds uh, painful and really serious uh, and very rare. Uh, based off uh, those stats there with uh, JT. So uh, he may be playing more likely than we think. I, I don't know, man. Because <laughs> they said he could he could eat, right? They said he's eating. Yeah, that, and if you're a big man and you can still eat, well, then you can still play. <laughs> I, just, I just wonder, can he talk, though? Because Roger did say he could only squeak for some time after that. No words, just squeaking. Yeah, well, so, he, he can do a lot of pointing, man. <laughs> hey, here's what I'm going to say. It, it, I, I would probably suspect the normal person would not be playing, but the NFL athlete is you give that center, the backup center, an opportunity to showcase his talent. And he been waiting, chomping at the bit and they feel like he can play, hold the fort and he plays, you know, pretty decent. And I'm not saying better than the starter. I go, dang, mm, we can actually save us, you know, about a million dollars. If we just let the other guy start and we just let the other one go. Yeah, and that is the undue pressure of playing that nobody talks about in the National Football League. And that's why so many guys play hurt. Now, if you got a ding dong behind you, you know that guy, he, he, he don't even know the plays. Maybe he having some talent, but he going to run the wrong play. The quarterback going to throw the ball wrong. He's going to be mad. Then, yeah, you say, all right, well, I'm injured. I'm, I'm, I'm for real injured. Uh, so... Are you trying to do all the reps in practice and knowing you're only going to play, you know, half of a game or something? So, yeah, man, those those things happen out there. <laughs> I mean, say, people take that into equation. Trust me. Well, as soon as, a, a, you know, a GM, a staff, they see, boy, this guy, he's on a minimum contract. Right. You know, I pay that dude $6 million next year. Boy, this guy. A new coach, new GM. <laughs> oh, yeah, a hundred percent. Hey, man, I, I don't know any of these cats. And this dude making 650 is playing like the guy making six million. You yeah. know, uh, that makes up a lot of minds for people. Yeah. So you're right. That, that dude's like, my throat's fine, man. I'm going to squeak it. That, you know, 53 is the mic. Yeah, yeah. mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> They're going to start giving signals and practice all week. So, in case, you know, hey, man, this is what I'm really talking about right here. Yeah. And that dude, that, he said, my legs and my arm can still work. I can run and I can snap. So I, and that guy said he played the next week and this guy's been eating. So it is not like he lost weight. So this guy has eaten. If those big men can eat. They playing. They can still move. Now, you know, they like a tree truck. If you hurt the limbs, you know, like on a tree, you know, they, they hurt the ankle and knee They Oh my gosh, I can't move. Well, this guy has nothing wrong with those. His arms and his legs work fine. He can breathe and eat. I think he's going to be out there. Oh, boy. The I'm in a different breeds, man. Yeah, those dudes are crazy. Barefoot, yeah. like Ben Jones out there walking barefoot before every game. It doesn't matter if it's 80 degrees or 18 degrees. And those yeah. cats, yeah, yeah that's a might, different. I think I think he says he goes uh, goes hunting like that. <laughs> <laughs> but anything surprise you with old linemen? No, not no. at all. Those guys are some of the nicest guys off the field, but man, when they get in the trenches, they are some of the meanest grizzly bears alive. And that's real talk. 
I was talking to Hugh Freeze once when he was a coach at A-State. He would just come and sit and talk to me, and I said, what's the hardest thing to recruit? He goes, that's the easiest question I'll ever that you'll ever ask me. He said, it's offensive line. I said, why is that? He goes, because they don't make enough of them. He said, God only makes a certain number of, you know, six, five, 300-pound guys. So he said, they all go to the Big Ten or the SEC. He said, do we have any guys that look like that? I said, no, sir. And he goes, it's because God doesn't make enough of them. So you get the best of everybody that's available, and then the big guys go to SEC and Big, you know, Big Ten. And he said, then everybody else fights for everybody else that's left, and you just get whoever gets to you. He goes, that's why we got a six-foot-tall tackle out there right now because they don't make enough <laughs> offensive linemen. You know, it's a, that's a special breed of people for sure. Mm-hmm. Hour two of Blade and Mickey on the way. Uh, we will. I, I introduced him earlier, but he's not coming on until 2.15. Billy Lucci, who covers Texas A&M, they're still very, very alive in this playoff hunt. Uh, by the way, what about those playoff rankings? We got to get to that, too, at some point. If you're a group of five teams, you, you could win every game by 100. You're not going to the playoff. I mean, it's just not happening. Coastal has proven that this year. Blade and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone.